Welcome to Tramlines, a podcast from Agri. I'm your host, Tony Smith, putting your questions to the experts. In this episode, we're talking to Andrew Ward, who farms Glebe Farm near Lednam in Lincolnshire, and Steve Corbett, trials manager with Agri. Today, we're going to be looking into a farm scale experiment that asked, is a change needed to the farm system that focused on drilling techniques and min-till? Asking, is that what I should be doing and how should I do it? So, good morning to you both. Good morning, Tony. Morning, Tony. Well, good morning and a very warm welcome to Tramlines. Andrew, can we start with you by asking and trying to understand, you know, what was the reason for starting this journey with your farm scale or field scale experiment? I think it goes back probably more than 10 years uh, now. I've been going to Agri uh, iFarm meetings at other farms and my connection with Agri started um, started probably 12 years ago. And we started to look at various aspects regarding cutting establishment costs. The talk at the time, a lot of buzz words and a lot of um, people were trying cover crops and direct drilling and we thought that right are we needing to be looking at this ourselves are we missing out if we don't uh, go go down the direct drill route so rather than convert the whole farm into it um, which incidentally we did uh, probably I think it was 2003 we converted the whole farm into a non-plough farm sold the plough instantly and went into mintill rather than do that um, and across the whole farm, which could have a significant financial impact, decided to put one field um, into cover crops and direct drilling. And that was a 22 acre field. And that's really where our journey started. Um, but maybe I ought to just go a couple of years before that regarding black grass. We, we had a really prob- big problem with black grass, like most farms in Lincolnshire and, and the eastern counties. And we decided to set about it a couple of years before we set this this um, direct drilling um, field up. And so not only did we have to contend with cover crops and direct drilling and how we could implement that into our system, it was also what impact did they have on our black grass control that we were trying to, to improve and deal with. And Andrew, can I ask you, you mentioned about missing out, that fear of missing out, hearing about what's going on, reading about all the uh, articles on establishment. You know, how influential is it listening to what's going on in the press and what's going on in terms of farmer discussion that influences you to try these things out? Is, is that quite a pressure? I would say, I don't know about a pressure, but I think when you see all what's going on and social media now is big, it wasn't as big then social media as it is now and my Twitter days um, started uh, in in 2013. So so 2012, my Twitter day started. And incidentally, I'm I'm Wheat Daddy uh, on Twitter. So Wheat underscore Daddy on Twitter, which is an appropriate name. Um, I think social media played a huge part. And I wouldn't say it's keeping up with the Joneses is is the phrase. But when you see other farmers doing something and saying that they're cutting costs and not and not having any yield penalty, you obviously need to try it and want to try it yourself. So I think that's where a lot of this came from, was seeing other people do it in the press. Not my neighbours, because none of my neighbours are, are down this route. So, Steve, if I can come to you, uh, where do we start? How do you start looking at these techniques, bearing in mind that risk of change? We have farms on lighter, medium soils, easier working soils, and it's those units that have... Uh, taken this direct drill, this sort of doing less in terms of cultivations, etc. They've still they've taken that route. We've got cover crops there. We've got sheep grazing cover crops. It can work on those units, and it has very positive benefits. 
for me, always, it's this heavier soil, high productivity. It's that ground to me that I am very concerned about just jumping in, leaping in with some of these new techniques. So for me, I wanted to see this working on heavy soils and this type of soil was Andrew's got over 50% silt, nearly 30% clay. It's that sort of combination that produces high yield, high productivity, but it is farmed a certain way currently. And it's those changes on that soil that I'm nervous about. Yeah, sure. I, and I can, you know, I, I can hear that. Uh, Andrew, how, how did you start to experiment, to try things out whilst at the same time managing that risk of change? Well, like I said to before, black grass to us has always been our, our problem. So that to me has the number one thing we have to deal with. So any changes we have, any trials we do, revolves around what impact will that have on blackgrass, positive or negative. So that is the thing we have to think about before we look at what else we're going to do, because blackgrass is a massive yield robber. So for us, blackgrass was the biggest thing we had to look at. So we had to devolve and, and look at this whole cover crop trial around controlling blackgrass as well. Yeah, sure. And, and Steve, to give us that that benchmark, what sort of weed bird and what sort of weed pressure were we seeing on Andrew's farm in terms of that black grass? Well typically if we got things wrong um, and the high pressure fields I call those the red fields um, where we simply had to stop that uh, grass weed seeding and building up yet more numbers but on those fields uh, we were 500 uh, uh, years per square meter you know that could be a five ton yield reduction. So Andrew uh, what did you do tell us about your cover crop strategy? Well, I didn't really know which mixes to go on. And so I was using Steve's experience and Agri's knowledge on this. And so we first of all had to look at, at really spring cropping because this field was one of our worst blackgrass fields as well. We've we, we found that spring barley gives us our best level of blackgrass control if we want to keep growing a crop on a field. We can't get on to drill it too early. And so therefore, when we can't drill it too early, we can't harvest it too early. So the barley then when it's harvested is usually probably early September, in which case we're running out of time to establish a successful cover crop. And this is where the combination of establishing a cover crop in a blackgrass situation is really, really difficult on high clay and silt content soils. Can you share um, the transition in terms of establishment techniques that you've started to look at and employ. Andrew, let's start with you on that. Well, what we've realised after a few years of doing this 22-acre cover crops, we then started to realise that for us to get successful establishment of the cash crop, we needed a bit of friable soil surface. We weren't getting success with direct drilling into straight into stubble. And so as a result of that, we started to think, well, maybe we need to be having looking at different cultivators. So in September 19, we set about designing and organizing a cultivation day where we invited manufacturers and machines that we thought we needed to see um, here. So we had that cultivation day, which attracted a huge number of, of uh, visitors. And then we took that through um, to, uh, to yield at the end of the day. That sounds fantastic. But Steve, what, what were the systems that you were comparing? So as Andrew, you know, the important thing was to, the, the control, the measure that you measure against had to be the well-known control. So that was the farm system. That was the solo. 
in at its normal depth as per normal practice with good consolidation uh, behind that uh, operation. So not only are you lifting, cracking, breaking, and setting up the soil, but you're actually reconnecting with the press unit. That's part of that system. We then compared and went right the way through from that deep type approach, right the way through to very, very shallow, just surface chopping of stubbles, etc. but a very, very shallow system uh, at the far end of the spectrum. What we were trying to see was if over the years we've reset the structure and the structure of the soil further down the profile is good, can I, in the, within the rotation, do a shallow or very minimal uh, disturbance on this soil type and it still perform? It's absolutely crucial to get that friability right in that top surface. So can we do that with a cultivator? Or indeed, can we use the roots of a cover crop, for instance, uh, to also help in that scenario. So Andrew, from that demonstration day, looking at that smaller field scale uh, trials of different techniques, what was the next step? Well, the next step was uh, we took it to yield um, and every single uh, plot we took to yield. But during the growing season, we assessed the soil, we assessed it at depth, we assessed it uh, near the soil surface for permeability and how much water would percolate through and root mass. And we did a lot of trials like that. And um, when we actually then started to get to the, the harvest uh, period, we, we checked it against our solo. We had one of the plots was our Simba solo. And just um, to, uh, to highlight the solo is a, is a disc-based machine with deep loosening legs between two lines of discs. So this machine would be working around about eight to 10 inches deep. Uh, discs in front, discs behind, and then pulled and following press. So it was quite a, a mixing action that this machine gets, but which gives us our best results. And as it turned out on the day, that still performed very, very well, comparing it to all the other cultivators that were there, costing a huge amount of money. So, Andrew, the, the, the big question is, we're looking at these different techniques, but so what in terms of farm performance? So what were you starting to notice in terms of gross margin impact? Well, this is one thing we really wanted to, to look at because at the end of the day, it's the profitability or lack of that, that decides everything. So each system was given a cost and some of the uh, very low disturbance machines that were scratching the top, obviously a one pass didn't use a lot of fuel, cost a lot less to do um, than our solo system pulled by Quadtrack. So therefore, to get a decent gross margin return to match our system, if it had, a, it could have a yield penalty, that system could, but because the cost of establishing the crop and, not, and pulling the machine was a lot lower, it would still have a very good financial return, which gave us some really interesting results. So after looking at the cultivations, what was the next step? Well, we still are considering whether we're right in not direct drilling because of that is gaining momentum across the country. Carbon credits and cutting carbon emissions is gaining momentum and a big thing with the government. So we started to look at drills, but of course, because our soil types are so varied and, and heavy, we thought we've had a cultivation day, let's now set about having a direct drill day to get different drills on the farm on a typical field of clay soil and see where we go and take that to yield and do the same level of trials and, and um, information gathering that we did with the cultivation day. Yeah. So if we if we step forward to today, as it were, uh, you talked about you sold the plough uh, a few years ago now. So what is the 
establishment technique that you've adopted now? We've, we've still using a Simba solo that we started to use in 2003, because that still is our, our really good performance with a free flow drill. We are now on an eight meter free flow drill. And, but the cost of these systems, and particularly this, this solo, is quite high when you start to look at the increase in fuel costs that we've got now. This is the biggest thing, is the fuel. Linked into carbon, we've obviously got to be looking at carbon now. We're getting a lot of other things that's thrown into the mix that we need to be looking at. And so we started to look at reducing the depth of cultivations. So we're looking at shallow disk machines uh, instead of uh, deeper cultivation, but at the same time, we're not against going through with a, with a low disturbance time after a couple of years if it needs it. Steve, is this constant checking in and assessing performance really important to moving forwards? It's absolutely critical. And I'm glad we've got into this subject here because the less you do, the more you have to do, which sounds absolutely mad. But actually what I'm saying by that is instead of blanket uh, treatment across the whole farm with the solo at X cost, we're playing that game now with the right rotation. We have beans in there as well. Actually, what's the soil structure telling us? Do I need to do that deep rectification? Do I need to do that? Or actually, is it a shallower system? Uh, how did that take the journey forwards in terms of making this transition? Well, as well as the direct drilling day we had, we were still continuing with the trial in the 22 acre, comparing that to Squires. So in this last year, Harvest 22, we actually had two comparisons running. And on the direct drill day, we actually had our Simba free flow running in a plot to be in exactly the same situation. So they're all drilled, same seed rate, same conditions. And when we got to yield, our free flow came out better than any other drills. And we bought our free flow about seven or eight years ago and we paid £18,000 for it. And we are actually still, we are direct drilling in some situations with our free flow drill. So, and as well as that trial running there, the other trial in the 22 acre and Squires had been running as well. And Squires Field in our conventional system gave us a, nearly a two tonnes a hectare yield increase over the, 20, over the 22 acre in the direct drilling and cover crop trial. You talked about that concern about losing yield, a yield penalty as we make this transition in, in techniques. What, what do you think is a realistic figure to have in your mind as what can be the downside as we go through the transition? For me, I think a lot of people forget about the costs in a cover crop. With that, you've got establishment, you've got seed. And with us, we always nearly have to apply slug pallets because slugs are attracted to cover crops. So we have three costs there that we don't have in the conventional field. And those need adding into the whole mix of gross margin. So in my view, that cover crop field, because you've got these extra costs, the cover crop field needs to yield more to recover those extra costs. But in our situation, we're finding it's yielding less. So we've got higher costs and less yield. So we have a double whammy that is really hitting gross margins hard. Right. Uh, that's really, really clear. So it's not just as simple as saying, I'm going to save some diesel. What are you finding has been the win? I'm not finding any win at the minute with cover crops and direct drilling. But so this is why we're now evolving and looking at shallow cultivating, because we are finding we create that little friable soil surface. It makes our free flow run well and it gives us great seed to soil contact and is giving us our extra yield. So we're not using the solo at high cost, 
but we are still cultivating but shallow. But then other years, we are prepared to use a deep, deeper tine if we need to. Okay, so where it's working well, what is the financial benefit for the farm? Is there a financial benefit for the farm? When we're comparing squires to the 22 acre, the, the lower cost in squires, because even though we've got a solo based system, we are returning around about £500 per hectare more in harvest 22, this is, on our conventional system than we are against cover crops and direct drilling. And that is taking everything into account, all spraying costs, harvesting costs, um, cost of uh, fertiliser, seed and everything. Massive difference. So, Steve, where do you see from looking at this long term field experiment, farm experiment, where do you see uh, the wins? The wins for me are Andrew has made and been able to make uh, changes with the power unit. So we've got less fuel, which is a big driver when you do a carbon audit, for instance, the fuel usage, nitrogen usage. Uh, the one thing that uh, for us uh, going into uh, this sort of next phase is uh, again the nutrient use efficiency of the plants as well. So we've got uh, projects ongoing looking at this because that then uh, asks the question, can we grow those plants with less nitrogen? Have we got the right nutrient balance? So we bring in all of that. So to me, the cover crop story hasn't ended. So Steve, where can cover crops really uh, win? Well, the farm we're talking about is a great example because actually part of uh, Andrew's uh, farm is up on the heathland, which is uh, the light medium soils, easier working soils. And up there, we're using cover crops very, very successfully. Uh, we're seeing crop, uh, actual cash crop uh, yields uh, increased. And we've still got to be very careful of the cost of the, the covers and which, which mixes we use. But up there, we're managing to uh, maintain, well, establish a good cover crop, graze it in some cases, and then hold on to moisture, nutrients, and use that into the next crop. So we're making it work on part of the farm. Following your very successful conference at Leadenham yesterday, and bearing in mind what we've talked about today, what would be your top tips that you would urge the listeners to take on board from today's podcast? Um, I, I'd definitely be um, encouraging people to monitor and measure. By that I mean... Now, for me, it's a dangerous game to just be guessing and putting a finger in the air saying, OK, because nitrogen price is expensive, I'm going to reduce nitrogen on that wheat crop. Really? With so much incredible technology and information available to us nowadays, but to, employ, to, to put it in place on farm, we have to measure. Very clearly put. And Andrew? I think for me, it's don't be afraid to try new things, because if you don't, you don't know where you are, whether you're standing still uh, or, or whether you're progressing. And, and if you actually don't try anything new and if you don't progress, you very, very quickly end up going backwards. And that really hits the farm profitability hard. Thank you, Andrew and Steve, for sharing your experiences with your field scale and farm scale experiments at Glebe Farm, Lednam. That's it for this podcast, but do tune in again as we meet the experts throughout the season, exploring the many immediate and longer-term questions for growers and farmers in the UK. If you have any questions that you'd like us to ask the experts, email info at agri.co.uk. See you next time.